This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc., and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. Do me a quick favor. If you like what you hear at Planet Microcap, please take two seconds and give us five stars on Spotify or Apple. This helps with the search engine so that more folks can also discover and engage with all things microcap stocks. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at microcapnewsletter.substack.com. That's where we post all of our podcast content as well as our weekly wrap-ups. So first announcement is another reminder that we have our next event coming up, the Planet Microcap Showcase Vegas, happening April 30 through May 2nd, 2024 at the Paris Hotel and Casino. My announcement for today, some initial speakers, as well as a really cool new piece of programming that we're doing for the first time ever called the Allocator Power Hour. So some more speakers just to... rattle these off. Uh, as you probably heard on here, we have Andrew Walker going to be hosting a, a keynote Q&A with Bob Rabati. Another keynote Q&A by Joe Lukoski with Eric Sloan, actually today's guest on the podcast, as well as my podcast live panel. We'll have Artem Boken from Caracan Capital, as well as Jason Hirschman from Hudson 215 Capital. We're going to be doing an Acuitas Investments Managers Panel hosted by Doug Porter from Acuitas Investments, as well as an Allocators Roundtable hosted by uh, Chris Tesson. We'll also be doing moderated Q&As and hosting a few of these will be Maj Swaydan from geoinvesting.com, Matthew Martin from Remont Microcap Fund, and Ryan Irvin from Keystone Financial. And on Tuesday, April 30th, 2024, day one, we'll be hosting what I what we're calling the Allocator Power Hour, brought to you by our friends at SumZero. Allocators will have the opportunity to meet with the most talented small microcap investors, fund managers, portfolio managers, and family office representatives in one-on-one meetings from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. in 30-minute increments. This is complimentary for all allocators, small microcap investors, fund managers, portfolio managers, and family office representatives who would like to participate. Having said all that, I know it was a little long, but we got a lot of cool stuff for this conference that you just do not want to miss out on. So to register to participate, please visit planetmicrocapshowcase.com. See you in Vegas. Now, my guest on the show today is Eric Sloan, Global Head of Company Listings for SIBO Global Markets and Chief Revenue Officer for SIBO Canada. On June 2nd, 2023, SIBO announced the launch of SIBO Global Listings, the first of its kind global listing network facilitating worldwide access to capital and secondary liquidity for companies and ETFs. SIBO recently acquired the NEO Exchange in Canada and owns exchanges in the UK, Netherlands, and Australia. They are looking to revolutionize the intra-listings to facilitate worldwide access to capital and secondary liquidity for companies and ETFs. I invited on Eric today to provide you all with the full and complete understanding about the SIBO Global Listings Initiatives, why now, the problems that it solves, and why this initiative is of particular interest for small and microcap issuers. Thank you again for tuning into the Planet Microcap Podcast, and please enjoy my interview with Eric Sloan. Eric, thank you for joining me today. How are you doing? 
Absolute pleasure. Doing great. And thanks for very much for having me on the show. Absolutely. It's great to have you. I've been really looking forward to this podcast for a long time now because, you know, back on when was that on June 2nd, 2023 last year is when you guys made this, you know, big announcement that the SIBO is launching new global listing offering for companies and ETFs of purpose-driven innovation economy with yes. But the first part of that is what has really kind of taken the small microcap space by storm. And I wanted to do a full episode with you to really, you know, almost be like an FAQ, just really giving everybody the full picture of what is happening, why why the CBO is doing this, why now, and getting the just really the full story. So before, again, I get into all of that, I do want to disclose that CBO is a sponsor for the upcoming Planet Microcap Showcase Vegas 2024. So just wanted to make sure that was out there, you know, and uh, yeah, let's go from there. So again, before we get into kind of the nitty gritty of the announcement, the new initiative, all that good stuff, you know, for folks that may be like, wait, is this the same SIBO? We're, this, wait, the, the same, all that? You know, can you give us that quick overview of SIBO and catch us up today as to why we're, we're getting started with this initiative? Happily. Uh, indeed, you know, you, you may know us uh, formerly as CBOE or the Chicago Board of Options Exchange uh, and, you know, new indeed to the global listings initiative with that press release out in June. But as an organization, you know, we're a 50 year old, incredibly credible uh, business with history and roots in options, features and derivatives. Uh, that, that's what we're most well known for, uh, for and, and headquartered based in Chicago. Uh, today, we're running 26 different markets around the world, uh, options, futures, derivatives, FX markets. We run spot crypto markets with SIBO Digital. Uh, we are also uh, home to six cash equities markets spread out uh, around the world across North America, Europe, and Asia-Pac regions. So very well covered as a business, very well diversified. But for our investor base, uh, you may also know us for other types of products, uh, things like the VIX, the volatility index is a SIBO co-branded product. So we're, we're known for a whole host of things. It's just about now focusing all of those efforts as an organization on the global listings franchise that we are looking to, to build out for SIBO focused now squarely in the U.S. ecosystem. Yeah, we were just joking offline how you barely been able to spend time at home because you've been traveling. So you're, I'm talking, you're in a hotel room in Austin right now. Like that's how much you're traveling and and kind of educating folks on all the new different products now available for issuers as well. So, I mean, uh, you know, listen, I, I hope you get some time at home. You know, <laughs> it's fun. Home, home is where you make it, and uh, being able to meet some really cool people and, and have some great conversations just bring out this this educational part of our dialogue is frankly a boatload of fun. Absolutely. So now let's get into the why and why now of everything that you got going on with SIBO. So take it from there. Why are you expanding into this equities exchange listing business and why now? So good news. Uh, the listing side of the business is not new for SIBO anywhere around the world. Uh, we are actually the second largest ETF listing exchange in the US today. And if you're looking at history and recent past in particular, I'm pretty confident SIBO is home to almost two-thirds of the U.S. Bitcoin ETF listings that all got filed out and have been waiting for those for the last seven or eight years. So we're, we're very experienced, very well exposed, and very well known to the ETF community in the U.S. Our actual exchange trading of stocks that are not listed on SIBO 
We've been doing that for almost a decade or more. And, and that's really about providing competing market infrastructure uh, and solutions for the trading side of, of the industry in particular. And with the strategic acquisitions uh, our organization has been making over the last five or six years, we've quietly glued together second largest exchange operator in a number of different countries, most recently completing the acquisition uh, of the Neo Exchange in Canada, creating now a, a formalized CBO Canada entity where we come with over 1,900 listed products and companies around the world. The U.S. is very much our focal point uh, for the start of 2024. So working to really introduce two key benefits and advantages, we think, for global companies working with a global operator. If you want to raise capital in more than one country, why would you want to work with more than one exchange if you don't have to? So we, we call that an intra list where you can actually work with one single global exchange operator everywhere you want to raise capital from from investors makes companies life more efficient makes the exchanges life more efficient frankly we're able to work with a company everywhere they want to move that that's probably number one priority for us and then number two if you think about our business we're kind of everywhere else in the financial infrastructure and plumbing we have single stock options on companies we have etfs that hold our companies in it we have an index business that includes our companies and, and funds in it we thought well great we, we should probably put some time and attention on owning that base underlying asset class the common stock itself and complete that flywheel of the capital markets infrastructure own the company drive it through the rest of our ecosystem Absolutely. So even aside from that being the, okay, wanting to own basically the whole flywheel of the common stock ecosystem, right? What were some other trends or other things that you observed within? Because the reason, again, this is such a big deal for the small and micro cap space is that, you know, for better or worse, you know, we have what we we have, you know, whether NASDAQ, NYSE American, or just NYSE, NASDAQ Capital Markets, we OTC QX, all the OTC, you know, QX, QB, Pinks, and all that. You know, why are you what what did you see about what's going on in the small microcap ecosystem that you thought, you know, this idea could make a lot of sense for this swath of companies? Well, if you if you dissect kind of what the classical micro, small, and, and even to a degree, you know, into a mid-cap company looks like. A lot of trends we've seen working with other regions outside the U.S. in those companies that that really came to light over the last couple of years, and in particular during the, the pandemic. Teams, management teams, and, and company teams themselves are increasingly global and diverse. They're not just hiring in one country anymore. They're not just hiring down one specialized vertical anymore. They're getting into a lot of different things, a lot of different business units, and as a result, bringing the world closer together. Uh, second to that, they're all growth oriented. They're highly acquisitive. They're scaling businesses. They're founders becoming first and second time CEOs in public company businesses, their first access to capital markets. And a part that we saw really missing in that ecosystem was really an, an exchange as a partner for a company to actually service their needs more closely as they work to build the next generation of mega cap companies that are going to exist for the future investor base. And, you know, we, we've taken that blueprint uh, from various parts of our organization, from learnings and working with CEOs and bankers and lawyers and really trying to create this pinnacle experience for a company on how do you bring yourself out to public markets in the most efficient, streamlined, 
simple way that we can deliver uh, as an exchange operator and then ourselves realizing frankly our, our competitive advantage we've got markets everywhere a company wants to raise capital in the developed world let's find a way to put this to good use uh, for companies today and in kind of battle testing that with ceos and other partners in the mix realize we're, we're right on the money with the objective and now it's on us to prove to the street that it works Absolutely. Because I mean, look, the reason I even asked that question is because in talking with issuers that are, you know, I mean, over the many years, you know, they've they have their their gripes with all the various options out there. Right. You know, from, you know, it being too expensive to be on NYSE American NASDAQ to, you know, then all, you know, some of the issues having to be even on QXQB with Blue Sky and DTC. And, you know, yeah, it might be cheaper, but then you end up spending all this stuff in order to just make sure Blue Sky, DTC, all that stuff. But then you have this option out there that is kind of right smack in the middle just from a price perspective, but also includes everything that you would get from being a senior exchange recognized uh, listing. So, I mean, is that kind of how the the pitch has been going when you've been looking at some of these companies to be on the U.S. SIBO uh, exchange? Well, first, first bit's always education. Like sure. the number of times we walk into the room and people go, SIBO, I know that, but didn't know you were in equities. And, you know, the moment we show them some pretty charts and we tell them, hey, we, we trade as much U.S. listed stock listed on other exchanges as our competitors do. OK, so you're in everywhere. You go and log into Robinhood or TD Ameritrade or Interactive Brokers. You see our ETFs and a handful of our stocks available in those platforms today. And you also realize that we're as liquid a marketplace as our peers because we have been fighting hard for trading market share and data visibility inside of every website and discount platform and financial advisor screen for the better part of a decade. We've already taken all of those learnings for other parts of our business and perfected them over the last decade. The last piece is then how do we get a company to say, well, you have what I want. How do I bring my company to you in Chicago and ring the bell with 300 options traders standing by instead of going to New York? And then you start unpacking the service layer fees, frankly, are probably the last thing that comes to mind, even though they are important uh, at the beginning of a conversation. What seems to be really critical for companies is, can I get my deal done? And are you prepared to be a partner of mine, not just to get it done, but also be there after the listing is finished? Because I'm going to have more questions. I need more help. I need more connectivity. And, and that's really where we separate ourselves from any global peer. We have operations around the world. Uh, that is something that's going to stand us out for a very, very, very long time. For sure. And you know, here, look, I'm not trying to harp on fees or anything like that, but the reason I bring that up is that within the ecosystem, the number one complaint around every company that is even considering being public or is currently public, maybe even considering a go private transaction, they're just like, it is so expensive being public. It's really expensive. And it used to be back in the day, the pinnacle. I am now a public company. This is amazing. This is what I've worked our tail off to do, to grow our company, to get to a point where we're now public and, you know, we're out there in the universe to, to share our company's story. You know, nowadays it's almost like a punishment, you know, and, and it shouldn't be, you know. Um, and I, listen, I'm not just saying that to be self-serving because we're a news organization covering the small microcap space, but, you know, like that was the, the beacon of the American dream is being able to take your company and either ultimately sell it or go public, right? So like they're just, it, these fees have just been racking up and racking up over the years. So it's just nice to hear that there is an option where at least on the fee side, it's it's a little less and you get everything that you're 
you know, you would hope to get, uh, you know, NASDAQ or NASDAQ's capital markets, NYSE American equivalent. That's, that's, that's a bit the key too. like fees. Great. We all need to do work and we all need to get paid for doing work. We're not running charities at any one of the stock exchanges around the world, but it's about value for money. What do you get when you spend money to chain, uh, obtain an, an objective or an outcome? And, and for us, you know, that that's where we kind of stand up and position ourselves on the street. Sure. We're obviously very thrilled and, and happy to win business on us soil and come home with, with a listing and a new partner in our business. And frankly, a new ambassador of our brand on an international stage as a company goes out and talks about what they're doing and affiliates with SIBO global markets. But for us, it's also, about what else are we doing to help our partners in the business? And if it's giving them trading capability, in local markets where they're happening to attract investors that's something we want to do if it's exposing that company to other parts of our universe we can introduce them to investment banks or lawyers or ir firms that can help them all raise their profile and awareness that's also stuff we we want to do uh, our organization is built on people first uh, and then from there the rest of it hopefully falls into place maybe not now but but eventually and the moment we kind of deviate from that thesis that people are the connective tissue that makes all of these businesses run, even though there's a ton of robots and technology at play, uh, it all starts to disappear. Very good. All right. So I, I keep saying how, you know, the new US offering is the equivalent of the, or, or you have two tiers of, uh, of, of offerings for listings uh, on SIBO. So let's maybe take a moment to explain like what the listing standards are and how they compare to, let's say, NYSE, NASDAQ, as well as OTC. Yeah, sure. So US listing standards, uh, they're fairly comparable to NYSE capital markets. Uh, so if you're familiar with the kind of four pillars, they're anecdotally also the same as our Canadian listing standards. But if you look at kind of broadly our approach, we try not to take a view or an opinion on the nature or the orientation of a business. So you could be a mining company, you could be a technology company, biopharma company. We don't have different rules for different companies. That That's kind of guideline number one. Uh, far be it for us as a stock exchange operator, obviously, to come up with a view that this type of company should look like this before it gets ready for, for public markets and move the bar around so nobody can figure their way out to market. Predictability is the important part. You apply to list, you have reasonable expectation, assuming you meet criteria, you will obtain your listing. Now, when you, you look at the four pillars and we try and organize ourselves around different types of businesses, different styles of either bootstrapping, scaling, growing a business into public markets, the one that we see the most commonly used is the stockholders or shareholders equity standard. Um, again, that, that's saying company doesn't have any significant debt, no heavy liabilities. They've got equity in the business, either cash, IP, property and investments. This business can survive maybe growth stage, no revenue just yet, or pre-profitability. That That's one area where you see a lot of, especially tech and, and growth-oriented businesses start showing up. Um, you can also leverage a net income uh, standard where you just say the company's got a money cash flowing business for the last two or three years. For us in the US, that's three quarters of a million dollars in two of the last three. That's basically saying the company has the ability to generate cash and they may have debt uh, they may have significant debt they may be funding a massive exercise but they've got an organization that can create money and, and fund it through great uh, we, we would list you through that standard instead of shareholders equity if you you had debt on your balance sheet 
uh, assets and revenues combined. If, if you have both, great, you can list on that standard. And then the last one, which I'd say is the least frequently used, would be market cap. Uh, if, if your company's got some way of pricing the value of the stocks that you've issued, you've already distributed them, you know where they exist uh, in the shareholder universe, great, we can list you through the market cap standard uh, instead. And for us, you know, that that's probably the fairest, most neutral way to approach it so that we can really just review your disclosure and make sure you financially meet uh, the, the metrics that we ask for and have the right governance controls and procedures in place when you wish to list. Very good. So, I mean, also tell us a little bit about the intra exchange opportunity, because mm. this is kind of unique. I, know, I mean, I know NASDAQ, obviously, like they have their the NASDAQ Nordic, NASDAQ literally everywhere in Europe, I think, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> right? So, I mean, they have a similar intra-exchange type model, but can you explain how CBOs is supposed to work? And Because, I mean, you not only did the acquisition, not you personally, CBO, you know, I mean, I, I know you're probably part of it. Absolutely. You, you know, but but CBO's acquisition of, of the NEO exchange, as well as, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, you also bought, or, or SIBO bought the Australian uh, stock exchange competitor as well as the LSE exchange competitor. So explain all the reasoning for each of these acquisitions and how this intra-exchange will work for any new issuer that's coming to you and say, oh, well, what does this mean now? Am I now trading on all these or how does this all work? So we've got two different ways of, of thinking about the business. As a company, if you're prepared to be dual listed, you want to raise capital from financial institutions or retail investors in two different countries. One, we hope SIBO owns a market in both of those countries. And based on you know kind of your list, it's Canada, the United States, the United Kingdom, the Netherlands for pan-European access, Australia. Japan will be bolted onto that in 2025. But for now, it's scoped at Australia for the Asia-Pac region. Uh, if you want to raise capital in more than one country, rather than having two regulators and two exchanges attached to your business, you can't avoid the regulators. There, there's good reason for them to be there. But we can consolidate your exchange relationships to one single global SIBO relationship with a company to deal with all of your capital raising and disclosure review, which just makes the relationship with the exchange more efficient. Rather than having one of our incumbent competitors in one country and another somewhere else, or, or maybe SIBO in, in one country where we're all kind of having a discussion about who's responsible for the business and the regulatory oversight that we as an exchange are required to provide in, in capital markets. So for us, that streamlining, that efficiency, that ability to work with a company on more than one border and not just east-west, we can go north-south for Canada and the US, we can go Australia to Canada if that's the pairing a mining company wants to go for, we want to be that single global exchange operator for a company when they need to raise capital. But, and where, where I think an incredible uh, advantage is going to sit for us for the foreseeable future, list with SIBO in one country, say our home base, the, the US, and we will make your stock available for trading in the United Kingdom, in Europe, in euros, and at the end of this year in Australian Aussie dollars without having to apply to list the stock, go through the dual listing regime and regulation and oversight attached to raising capital in a foreign country. So this is just strictly to enable your stock for trading in local currency so that you can reach international investors in a more efficient way. Now, why is that important? I think for investors, and, and the pandemic's taught us one thing, if it's not convenient, it's not happening, right? Handful of clicks, if I can't do something or it's too expensive because I can now see exactly what I'm paying for things, 
I'm not going to do it. So what we've kind of caught on to is if we can bring a ticker from one market to another, make it available in local currency, really make our investors' lives easier by improving the way they access global companies, there's a tremendous service there for public companies. So listen in the US, we make it available in euros so a European investor can find you in their currency of choice instead of opening a US bank account, converting money, paying for it, and then trading on SIBO in the US. That's that's the dream and, and frankly, the holy grail. No, I'm glad you answered why that's important because I mean, one of the biggest things that's I, I it's talked about all the time, you know, amongst the service provider crew. And, you know, I think in the last seven, eight years is cross listing, the uplisting, the dual listing, the this listing, the cross list, the trading. You know, I think there's, I'm sure there'll be a new phrase by the time uh, Vegas rolls around. You know, so <laughs> ex- explain how what SIBO is offering here kind of not necessarily does away with it because there's still going to be some quote unquote uplisting from, you know, maybe, you know, like, uh, you know, from the QX, the QB or the Pinks to like to a SIBO or something like that, you know, but explain how this system is really just trying to make all of this so much. I mean, you kind of already answered a little bit, but maybe expand on how it really makes it even more efficient when you think about all the various, you know, things that people have had to just kind of piecemeal together in order to get that similar solution? Yeah. I mean, think of it this way. As a company's needs expand, uh, their partners obviously should should get a bit of a look and say, hey, this is where we need to go as a business. This is what we need from our relationship now. And if we have it for you, great. If we don't have it for you, that's where you start looking at other ideas. And the idea that a company can move from either junior market or from, I'll uh, say, a quotation uh, bulletin board type marketplace where their needs are, are met for a period of time, great. At some point, getting access to more investors, to institutions, to other types of diversified investors, whether they're domestic or international, those are all things that start to come up as a company grows their market cap, their business plan, and really starts to deliver on those outcomes. And you know, a couple basic ones that kind of come up first and foremost, like unfettered access to retail investors electronically can i easily go out market my stock in the us across all states and know that i can walk into a robin hood platform or interactive brokers and i can buy the stock in two clicks and walk away that that's something that you know as the companies expand their universe become more well known build the brand point number one i'm going to go market my stock how can i uh, get investors to show up easily uh, and and when i want them to Second to that, as your company grows, there's a whole nother world of investors beyond retail that a company should be thinking about. Institutions, funds, really what ultimately comes down to index uh, inclusion that senior exchanges, as we, we can call them in Canada, or tier one markets or main board markets in the US, that index eligibility is real institutional money by appointment. It's not, hey, I got to go out and put a sign on the side of the road or go do some digital advertising and get a Globe Mail article or a Wall Street Journal article. It is on a specific day, two quarters from now, you can expect significant pension plan money to show up and want to buy your stock at size. And that's really where for a company, you start to diversify away from just retail investors. You start to attract real long-term money. But at the same time, that money can come and go if the management team and the company don't deliver on their objective. So the whole point of an index, you're in, you keep growing, you're great. But as you don't perform, or if you don't perform, or market conditions make it difficult for you to do so, you may come out of the index. So as a CEO, as a management team, as a board, 
we need to be thinking about all of these eventualities uh, in, in markets and making sure you continue to do what you promised to do for your shareholders, deliver on the business plan. Note to self, I'm going to clip that answer and probably <laughs> post that on social. As uh, uh, as Bill Simmons likes to say, that the, I to turn the TikTok camera on probably for that part. I should have. Um, because that, I mean, that's really the nuts and bolts of it. Aside from obviously the fees, the interchange, like really, like literally that was my next question was the feedback from buy side. And what, how they've been here when you've been approaching and telling them about the solution. Cause look, it's one thing on the retail side that I get all the time from companies, you know, they might, we might get a Toronto listed company that'll come to us wanting to be in Vegas and be like, Hey, you know, will us investors want to buy our stock, this and that. I'm like, you know, well, my answer is usually like, well, look, if they really like, you know, the company, they believe in the fundamentals, all that, like they will figure it out. But I think most people are like, well, why the question, obvious question is, why is it so, why do you have to then go figure it out? You know, why can't there be something that allows you to not have to piecemeal, figure it out, do it all that and make it much easier, you know? And that's, that's what excites me personally. Again, you guys are responsible to the event. I just want to say that again. So I'm trying not to sound too overzealous, but that's what excites me about hearing about the SIBO Global Markets Initiative here. But getting back to feedback from buy side, what has been some of their response when you tell them about some of these new initiatives as well? Well, they, uh, uh, they, they love it. Frankly, uh, at the end of it, we have rules. They've read the rules for our listed companies. They know exactly uh, what they're expected to chin up to. So there's no change or surprise that way. You already pointed out in, in the US, our own SIBO global market stock, it's a $19.5 billion public company today. We've been around for 50 years. Bicide's already involved in that part of our business. They are shareholders of our own stock, and we watch and pay attention to that business very carefully, as you would imagine. Uh, I don't joke about it with CEOs, but it's an important one to highlight. That capital markets access, that stock is your baby as a CEO. The amount of time you invest and watch and pay attention to what's going on with your stock, who's buying, who's selling it. Uh, it, it returns itself to you later in your ability to use it to continue to fund your organization. So for every good management team on their way through, it's educate, why are you doing this? What do you need to do tomorrow? And the most important part, and we're no uh, kind of uh, surprise to it, you have to sell the stock to investors. You, you can't just post a flyer and expect people to figure out your journey, especially for us. Our, our business is hyper complex. We own multiple asset classes, multiple platforms. We have diversified revenue streams. You've got to talk about and educate uh, a client based on what you do, why you're doing it. And good teams guide on how you're going to get to that next stage in your journey create some trust and track record in your business that when you say you're going to do something and this is the, the biggest thing for micro and small cap when you say you're going to do something you actually have to do it uh, you get judged every quarter on earnings on results on achievements and if you can't do that then you shouldn't be guiding your investors to an outcome and then failing to deliver that is the single biggest thing that we see as an important mark for micro and small. Be credible. Preach, man. You know, uh, <laughs> get out that TikTok like, camera again. Yeah, get that. Now look, I mean, listen, I'm trying not. <laughs> I'm trying not to make this just like a full on like pitch fest for SIBO, okay? But at the end of the day, like what th this is, this is a very important development for the entire ecosystem. Literally everything that you're saying, right? Because also one of the main reasons why companies tend to think that they need to uplist from an OTC, you know, before SIBO is to just the NASDAQ and NYSE American whatnot, is the idea that like, this is where I get access to 
as you said, index eligibility. You know, now institutions don't, they can't say anything with regard to, you know, their own specific rules about, you know, maybe not just for better or worse, they they can't buy OTC stocks, right? Um, you know, and so, you know, it, it removes some of those hurdles uh, in a way, and also just at a, at a, at a price that's not as, uh, all right, we covered that already, but anyways, so, I mean, in your opinion, what are, what would you say are some other of the distinct advantages and or disadvantages for a small microcap company that's looking to either, let's say IPO on the SIBO or uplist the SIBO over its competitor, over your competitors? The, the biggest thing that we've heard on the street and that this applies Frankly, in every region, we've been out scoping out the, the business and the business plan and building uh, the global listings practice. It's such a basic one, but uh, service service is king in this business. People, as I shared at the onset, people want to work with people that they like, that they trust, that can do what they say they're going to do. And for us, you know, as a new focused a area of our business building up the company listing side of our organization. We've been lucky that we've had this wonderful pillar of an ETF franchise to lean on to say, look, you can log in all these platforms. You can check that we can do all this stuff. And by the way, our own stock is sitting there and you can also look at that as a, a proof point. So really getting the first files through the desk, showing a good experience with the working group, lawyers, bankers, IR firms, making sure that that all comes together and the companies have a good experience in the way out the door, paramount for us to show success early on, picking up the phone, calling people back, following up on things. Like we are new to company listings in the US. We're not new to trading. We're not new to listings. We know what is going to make this business successful. And we built it in other markets. Canada's now home 60 public companies, 47 depository receipts, and 160 somewhat ETF tickers. We know exactly what it takes to make this business fly. And we're reusing that blueprint in the US Europe's next. And that is all about getting connected to the right people, getting an opportunity to pitch position. Service is king. Second to that, you know, does the service work? Functionality is there. Everything does what it's supposed to do. That's table stakes. We just kind of have to take that it does. But like you, people go and ask other people, right? That, that experience, that reference check, that can I trust these people comes up. And they will go and ask, they will check in. And oftentimes there's connectivity with SIBO from other parts of our business where that validation is easy enough to get through. I'll go chat with my trading team. I'll go chat with my lawyer. Yeah, we work with these guys. We know what they're doing. They're really good uh, on, on this side of the house where we interoperate with them already today. The last piece for us, you know, we're, we're not done building. Uh, we're, we're not sitting here figuring out where else we want to go in other parts of our, our business. We want to be, and we are a global exchange and market infrastructure operator. Those are our barriers. We don't want to be all things to all people. We want to be experts. We are experts in the space of bringing buyers and sellers together at an exchange. That's where our business starts and stops. Very good. All right. So let's, let's check in, you know, in terms of, you know, where we are, in terms of getting companies on to on the US listings. Um, you know, we're recording this on uh what's that Monday, January 29, 2024. You know, look, and and I know your answer to this even before you say it. So I'm gonna preface it with like you had to do a lot of educating, right? And you and and to be fair, I feel like you guys have only really gotten started at like really, really pushing super hard in the last like 
three to four months in essence, you know, you're putting everything together, the plan, all that. And now you're really going to market and meeting with as many people. Like I said, I'm talking to you, you're in a, in Austin, you're going to be in probably Antarctica in like two weeks. Or something, you know, <laughs> if there's a public company in Antarctica, I'm coming <laughs> there, for them. Yeah. I know a couple of penguin CEOs for sure. <laughs> you know, so like, you know, where, where, where is it, where are you guys at currently in terms of us listings? You know, let's give that update there. Maybe, you know, from what you can tell us a little bit about the pipe. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so U.S. ETFs on fire, right? We're 650 of those listed on our exchange today. The most recent batch, everything in Bitcoin. Uh, for companies, we have two public companies today, our own stock and another that was listed uh, in December. Um, we have a very aggressively built pipeline. Uh, if, if we play our cards right, you know, I'd say we've got a couple listings sitting there for February and, and March. Should be pretty interesting uh, for us, and it's it's a different pipeline uh, of of kind of initiatives. We've done one OTC uplist. We're going to do our first IPO, I expect, in February. Uh, we're hoping to get second, third, fourth movers in each of those buckets moving. But as you know, you're working with channels, and you've got investment bankers. First one sees it, everybody else talks. Then the second one sees it, and they go, oh, "Okay, this this actually worked the same as I would expect it to work elsewhere. Great, we'll give you another." And so we're getting those first looks now, and it's the interesting deals. It's things that maybe have some cleanup to do. There's some work going on. Maybe teams are in the middle of a, a bit of a reorg, but we're there and we're in the mix for the conversation. And it opens the door for the second, third, fourth, fifth opportunity of the year with these organizations. It's the same for the lawyers. Everybody wakes up and says, oh, I saw what you did in this file, loved it, had a great experience. One partner talks to another. We have another channel uh, that that is open and ready to go. And the great thing about the U.S. it's hyper competitive. Uh, so when when one person sees something going, they're like, "Great, I love this. I want to do it." And, and the U.S. culture is such a risk on want to be a first mover. It's it's encouraging to both watch and and incredibly humbling to be a part of. Um, that that for us is key in the U.S. If you look at what else is going to drive into the U.S. It's all of our other regions, right? We've got Canada with company listings today. We've got a team selling the Canadian business, but every Canadian company, as they grow and scale out, they typically start looking at US markets as the deepest capital markets pool on the planet. So how do I get dual listed? Great. I've got you listed with us in Canada. Let me introduce you to our global listings or US listings team. Let's bring another company out to US markets. So US, we've got a team here working to find it. Canada, they're going to deliver cross-sell into the U.S. business, we just hired for Europe uh, starting in, in January, and that's going to drive the same possibility and outcome. A lot of European and London-based companies end up coming to the U.S. at some point in their growth trajectory. Great. The U.S. is going to be a recipient there as well, but my, my goal for this year, if you're kind of benchmarking where I want to be, it's get that company listings business in the U.S., organic U.S. driven growth, firing, 10, 20 listings would be my my personal uh, objective and ambition. Um, Canada, you know, this is about bringing companies to our exchange, dual list them in the U.S. and getting our, our first listings out around the world, setting the bar high. But uh, at the end of it, this is my goal, ambition, and plan. And I think CBO's got all the ingredients in place to deliver. For sure. Now that normally would be a great place to end it, but I do, you know, we're 30, 40 minutes in here and I do have to play devil's advocate, at least, you know, right, right now we'll start. You know, so, I mean, from what you can tell us, what what has been some of the pushback? You know, because, look, you're making a compelling case. I'm sure everybody listening is like, all right, yeah, that sounds great. But inevitably, there is somebody that's like, all right, I don't know. So what, what's been some of the pushback? No, the, the like, shock that there's a third 
national tier one mainboard stock exchange in the US has been hilarious. Uh, I still remember some of my, my first meetings where, you know, I got a grilling four different ways uh, around the circle. It was a friendly one. But like, what do you mean there's another exchange in the US? And how did I not know about it? Uh, and it's because, frankly, companies build the brand. You've got an army of people out talking about you the same way your ETF community does with financial advisors and, and wealth professionals. Companies are talking to retail. Uh, that is absolutely the first uh, thing that we are working on as a business. You you had it right at the beginning of, of the podcast. You know, SIBO is known for a lot of other things. Uh, we're known for the VIX. We're known for options. <laughs> we're, we're known for being a, a world leader in that space. We now need to remind the world that, hey, we also have all of these other things in our quiver that we can bring out. And public companies is absolutely uh, our focus for the years ahead to really make use of all the assets that SIBO's acquired over the last five or six years. So brand brand is one for, for the retail equity, do it yourself for investor, but that's just going to take uh, a listing or two and uh, a handful of really good success stories for us to talk about and push around. And as you rightly commented up front, you know, we're actively out talking to the working group, to investors now to kind of bring that familiarity into line so that when people say, hey, we've heard about this crazy thing SIBO's up to and they, they think they're going to deliver stock trading 24 by 5, well, you know, mark time. Uh, it won't take us long, but we've got all the ingredients here. We just have to deliver. Second from brand, going out and checking on things. You know, inherently, as humans, we like to be able to point, click, see things for ourselves, or at least have somebody else in your, your orbit that's going to validate it for you. I know I've gone into every single US investment platform, looked up stocks, made sure everything looked the way it's supposed to. That's like the second thing that's going to happen right away. You tell them about you know, two thirds of those Bitcoin ETFs, and we start having a conversation about it, that like, does this actually exist? Or did these people just tell me something that uh, may, may not have been true. So that that usually is the second step. Log in, people look, oh, oh my goodness, it actually works. And you know, then from there for us, it's it's about conversations like like this. It's about getting a door opened to go and take a meeting, have a conversation, show people that we both are capable and actually want to be in this business. And that shows up in every other part of the business that I've described to you around service layer, actually being supportive, helpful, connecting uh, our partners together to kind of make this business hum. Um, but we don't know the opportunities that don't hit our desk. It's, it's very hard to find new ones and finding that trusted group to bring them forward so that we get a chance to pitch is probably the single biggest thing we've been asking the street for over the last couple of months as we show up to conferences and events and start talking about our capabilities. All right. So I think, you know, pretty much answered all my questions. I think we've covered pretty much everything. I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I'll hear, you know, that we missed something <laughs> or the other, but, you know, aside from that, I mean, is there any, anything else that we didn't cover here that, you know, you get asked a lot when it comes to, you know, us listings and everything like that? The, the one that, for one reason or another, and I know why the, the confusion uh, comes up is, you know, does SIBO have an electronic trading platform? And that, that's for like the savvy uh, group in the crowd. Uh, and, and the short answer is yes, full full send on equities trading, fully electronic. Uh, the pictures you'll see from market opens uh, and perhaps those that uh, reminisce on, on days of old, uh, our options pit is actually still uh, open outcry. There's 250 or 300 traders that show up. Uh, to the trading floor in Chicago to today to trade SPX options. I think we're doing over a trillion dollars in notional value daily in the SPX pit. 
Uh, and that that's probably one of the last open outcry pits that reside in the entire industry. But for equities, all electronic, uh, comparable to what you would expect, frankly, of our, our peers in the, the national market system. And uh, incredibly keen uh, to get going on the next set of announcements. Very cool. Very, very cool. All right. Well, I think we are there. Eric, where can everybody go and get in contact with you, find out more information as well about the SIBO Global Markets? So you can check us out on, on LinkedIn if, if you're savvy there. Otherwise, SIBO.com and the top menu listings, and there's full contact details for each of our exchanges if you know where you're going. If you don't know which country you're interested in, you want to just chat with us and have a conversation about I don't know where I want to list. I have some partners here. I have a business plan over here. The global team is very happy to help you navigate uh, where to go. There's a global listings email address on those pages. Otherwise, pick your country of choice, hit send, and I guarantee you somebody from the team will find you ASAP for a conversation. Very cool. All right. Well, Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. I really do appreciate it. Good luck. Stay safe. Travel safe. I know you're all over the world here. (laughs) So travel safe, and uh, I really look forward to our next update. Absolute pleasure. And thanks very much for having me on today. I really appreciate it. Good, thank you. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not an offer or solicitation of an offer to buy or sell securities. SNN Network, SNN Inc. and the Planet Microcap Podcast and the representatives are not licensed brokers, broker dealers, market makers, investment bankers, investment advisors, analysts, or underwriters. We do not recommend any companies discussed. We may buy and sell securities in any company mentioned and may profit in the event those securities rise in value. We recommend you consult with a professional investment advisor, broker, or legal counsel before purchasing or selling any securities referenced in this podcast podcast.